What's up, everyone? Just a real quick interruption uh, by editing Nick here. I just wanted to let you know that this episode, being that it's releasing on Monday, August 31st, there's a good chance that you're watching this in time for the following announcement. Awakened Catholic, in partnership with Damascus Catholic Mission Camp, is doing a night of worship at the Holy Rosary Cathedral this Thursday. It's family-friendly. It's powerful worship. It's an incredible environment to worship in. Most importantly, Jesus is going to be there. Check out the link in the description for more information. Back to the regularly scheduled program. Welcome everyone to The Awakened Catholic Show. I am your host, Nick Delatore. Today, I have with me the one and only, the illustrious, the pastor of the best place of worship in all of Toledo, Ohio, Mr. Father Eric Shield. Welcome, Father Eric. All I can say to that is amen. <laughs> amen. We got a great show coming up for you guys. Well, let's roll the intro. Welcome everyone to the Awakened Catholic Show. Before we dive in and learn about our guest and why he is here, I have to mention that today's episode is made possible by two very important things. One, the Awakened Nation. If you don't know what the Awakened Nation is, it is people like you that make this entire ministry, all of the shows at Awakened Catholic and our events, it makes it all possible. People like you make it possible by visiting awakenedcatholic.org slash donate and you can give monthly or a one-time gift, whatever you can do to help is super appreciated because my kids like to eat and we don't want to shut down this ministry. So between those two things, if you can help out, please do awakencatholic.org slash donate. And then secondly, this entire thing is also made possible by the Hallow app. If you're not familiar with the Hallow app, make sure to check it out. There's a link on our website. You can also visit hallow.app slash awaken. I personally use Hallow every single day. It's on the home screen of my phone. It helps me pray. It helps me go to sleep. Actually, if you're familiar with the show The Chosen, um, the, the Jesus, the man who plays Jesus on that show, he also uh, has a sleep meditation on the app, and it's kind of like no Jesus kidding. himself is putting you to bed, Father Eric. That is beautiful. How Why? about that? I need to. I, this, I, I need to do. I that. agree. I agree. You should. Okay. And so, Tonight. if you're interested, you can get one entire month of a free trial of the premium subscription to Hallow by visiting awakencatholic.org or hallow.app/awaken. One free month trial. Check it out. Out, let Jesus put you to sleep the way you've always dreamed of. All right, moving along. <laughs> I, it doesn't surprise me. Well, Nothing surprises me coming out of your mouth after all these years of knowing you. As it shouldn't. I, I'm not surprised. As it shouldn't. And we have known each other for years. It's been a long time. It's been a while. I don't even... Or as the kiddos say, it's been a minute. It's been... <laughs> so all father, sorts of, I mean, retreats, yeah. all sorts of it. We, we, uh, we did a Euro trip together. That we did. We did indeed. It was uh, along with Father Doug Aran and mm -hmm. Father Matt Rader and then a whole slew of uh, hooligans getting into all kinds of shenanigans as we were trying to <laughs> show them into Jesus's heart. Anyways, here we are, Father, in 2020, the year of our Lord slash the year of who knows what the frick is going to happen next. Oh, Lord. Um, but uh, in this moment, being present to this moment, I want to know from your perspective, from your lips. Who is Jesus? You know, I love that question because, well, I just preached on it. Well, or will preach on it. But when people hear this, it'll be a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing, who do you say that I am? 
you know, and you see that his disciples are like, well, you know, some say this and, but it's a direct question. It's like, no, no, who do you, who do you say that I am, you know? And again, I mean, obviously that, you know, that answer of you're Christ, the son of God, you know, is, is my answer as well. But I think it means more than just, it's more than just words. It has to mean more than just words. Amen. And if we don't have, if we say, if I say that Jesus Christ is the son of God, then I better darn well be acting like that. And I have to live as he is Lord of my life. Not that I'm Lord of my life. And that's the type of stuff that has been going through my mind. Having reflected on that scripture passage, it's like, no, it was a direct thing to you, father Eric, uh, you know, who do you say that I am? And then when you say that answer, which obviously is the right answer, Christ, the son of God, but but that means so much more than just doing lip service to it. You mm. know that it has to. Father Eric bringing the fire, people. Darn it! <laughs> and actually, your homilies are available to listen online uh, after the fact. If you don't live in the Maumee area or in the Diocese of Toledo, you're welcome to check out Father Eric's homilies. What is the website? How can people find it? So they can go to www.stjosephmaumee.org, and and they're all uh, they're all on there. We also have our YouTube channel, uh, so you can go and and look at all, uh, listen and look at all of our uh, live streamed events and things like that. Our masses, different things like that. Uh, I'm going to start back up a weekly message because back when COVID first hit, I started the fireside chat. Oh, yeah. And it was absolutely ridiculous and silly. One night I was like, I'm bored because all my social events got canceled, which was a tragedy for an extrovert. (laughs) Um, And so I'm like, I got to do something. So I did did the fireside chat, you know, after the uh, after FDR's uh, famous uh, fireside chat. You made it look way better. Uh, and thank you. I tried. <laughs> that is what they tell I, you, huh? It was not planned. It was not. I was like, oh, let's just set up this phone here and uh-huh. see what happens. And I loved it, but I haven't been doing that in a while. And I think it's it's important to have that connection. I think that's why, you know, shows like this, you know, like Awaken is, is so important because people need connection during this time. Of Amen. And if they don't have connection with other, you know, good Catholic individuals, Individuals, uh, people who are like-minded, people who are, you know, helping to support them and all that. The isolation that people are facing these days is pretty, pretty nasty. That is absolutely the case. And we see that in a lot of the statistics that are coming out about uh, increased suicide rates, increased depression oh rates. Gosh. It's tragic. Um, it's, it's terrible. It really is terrible. And so uh, now that now that you've kind of delivered for us who Jesus is, who the man is, who the God is, um, I want to hear from you your elevator pitch for having faith in him like why if you're if you're sitting if you're, you don't sit in an elevator unless it's a weird one if you're standing in an elevator with somebody and, and you know there's just something about him where they're like that person's not that person needs jesus how do you how do you sell faith in jesus to that person how do I sell? okay probably more realistically they're asking you you're a priest tell me about jesus yeah absolutely um everything else fails if we don't have Christ in our life, mm. everything else fails. And I've just seen that. And people at the, you know, and oftentimes it takes us being at our lowest moments to go, Lord, you know, and hopefully we get to that point of in good and bad. We're like, Lord. But again, everything else seems to fail without Christ as the center of it, period. Yeah. And 
it just never it just never goes as well. And obviously, the the uh, we 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 want to go to heaven. I've never <laughs> heard somebody say, you know, Father, I'd love to go to hell. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've never had that happen. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Uh, but I, but especially these days. But I've never had that. And, mm-hmm. and so again, that desire for eternal life to be with our Lord. You know, I think it's kind of. Um, it's kind of sad if we just expect him to take care of us when we die and, mm-hmm. and we're like all throughout life going, eh, absolutely. Yeah, I got other things to worry about than you, Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that desire to for eternal life hopefully spurs us on and says, okay, but you got to start, you got to meet people where they're at and they're not always thinking of heaven. They're thinking about their immediate issue. or problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meet so everything there. else falls short everything else and we falls. want heaven. Amen. That's the elevator pitch. Amen. I love do it. it. And you know who else has... I don't do short pitches. That's my that's my biggest issue. <laughs> You're hoping it's like there this, is a skyscraper. A, I know. <laughs> you got a long elevator time. ride. I need time, you know? I, yeah. It's the extrovert in me. I'm so, it's just what it is. Yeah. Also, in case the viewers caught what just happened, I may or may not have just chipped a tooth with my glass of water. <laughs> we will find out afterwards, and I will uh, notify you via social media. Anyways, um, so... All right. So now we got, we got Jesus. We have this idea of a life with him and everything else fails. Um, anything that doesn't have him at the center fails and we want heaven. Now, what uniquely about the Catholic church should, should draw someone to live life as a Catholic elevator pitch for Catholicism. Hit me with it. Catholic church brings heaven to earth. Oh, in the sacraments. I know. Father. I know. I'm going to stick with this priesthood thing. Uh, I, <laughs> um, no, I, but it, when we look at the sacraments, Jesus Christ brings heaven to earth and meets us where we're at. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. What, what else could we want? That's I, so beautiful. Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of other things that people want and it leads them, you know, down all sorts of different paths. But yeah. Good Lord, what a fantastic thing to think about. Mm. Every time we celebrate the Mass, heaven kisses earth. That's so and beautiful. We're in the midst of it. And, you know, but we're busy thinking about, oh, I got to get to Taco Bell or uh-huh. um, that, yeah. that might have been me this weekend. <laughs> uh, I, I love, sometimes I get those cravings for Taco Bell. I understand. And I, it's hard to control it. I totally understand. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way about Taco Bell, but when it comes to pizza, really? get out of the way. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love or, Taco Or Bell. the Eucharist. Yes. Oh, yeah. But but pizza. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. You know, it's, and with... <laughs> what, it goes right to those hips, too. Uh, the love handles, the, the buttocks, as because, they say. Because your hips do not lie. They, they never they, lie. They don't lie. I have Mm-mm. super honest hips. That's I'm one-fourth <laughs> Colombian. <laughs> Anyways. That, um, <laughs> you and Shakira. Uh, well, that, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I, I taught her everything she knows. But I'm also not going to say that Thank I didn't. God, I think your wife might have an issue. With that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, so and the other thing that's interesting to me about that is like the proposition, and, and it's lingo that we hear a lot that the Catholic Church brings heaven to earth, or, or rather, it's an extension of the act of Jesus bringing heaven to earth. And then, and then, you know, in the face of of that uh, line, it's, it'd be so easy to get stuck on that based on the idea that like, okay, but why does Earth still suck? Does that mean heaven sucks? No, you're misunderstanding what it means that heaven has come to earth. You know, if you look at it through the idea that um, heaven is eternal, infinite love and relationship with God, that is a dynamic that Jesus brought to us that did not exist before that mm-hmm. point. Um, and in particular, in a, in a, such a direct uh, union type of way, like there was, there was a very different type of covenant and relationship between God and the Hebrew people before Jesus, the Israelites. And then as soon as 
Jesus came, he brought literal God to earth and wherever God is, is heaven and the love of Christ and the mercy and love and power that we receive through the sacraments. Like for example, when Jesus was walking around, let's say he uh, cures a blind man. Does that mean that the blind man's life stopped sucking altogether? He probably had some struggles, mm-hmm. right? But but he encountered heaven in Jesus, and that's what the Catholic Church offers us today. I just thought of that example right now. You can you're welcome to use that later as long as you quote me and send me ten bucks each time. So I will tell you this, Nick. That was the smartest that I've ever heard you sound. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure whether and, to be complimented or insulted. That's what I prefer. The backhanded, yeah, you know. Sure, thank you. And and there was no heresy in that. Oof! I was. Ding, 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 ding. Do you have any sound effects for I, that? That's, <laughs> I was, uh, whew, you know. <laughs> no, and, and, and you're 100% right because the graces of the sacraments do, like, they bless us at, at that moment, but then they also help us to continue forward to, to, to heaven. And so, yes, it's meant to meet us where we're at and to continue that life journey. Mm. Uh, it's not just about the present moment, uh, and it's not just about the future moment that's going to suck. It's about, okay, how do we get you to heaven? Yeah. You know, and when you look at these different sacraments, man, they're powerful. Mm. And they do. They, they meet us where we're at. I have never had somebody leave the confessional looking worse than they did when they came in because mm. it, it's just that weight that gets lifted you know and you and you see that and, and i'm pr- so privileged to see it as a priest absolutely um, you know uh so often and, and and so again all those are just the ways that our lord works to to meet us where we're at to bless us to give us the graces that we need to overcome the the challenges that we're facing the sins that we're facing uh whatever we're facing yeah and then to continue us forward and and that's pretty pretty awesome i think we just struck gold i mean we could wrap it up right there but we're not going to do that because there's more to talk about there is more to come and before we get to the main reason for our conversation today the mean potatoes we are going to introduce a new segment to the this world acclaimed show the awakened catholic show called catholic weird stuff roll the intro catholic weird stuff why do they do the things that they do All right, ladies and gentlemen, do you like that? I love that. <laughs> that is actually uh, complete kudos to Alina, my wife. She put that together. She's fantastic. Yes, I mean, you certainly married up. I, yes, there is no doubt in no anyone's doubt. mind who knows you. <laughs> so why are we doing this Catholic weird stuff segment? Well, I had a really cool conversation recently with someone who isn't Catholic, but is a baptized Christian who is in the fold, who is in, she's a sister of Christ of ours. And... She said to me, Nick, what the frick are you guys doing with your hands before you start praying? And I was like, you know what? Swatting a fly. <laughs> Every time they just come at me. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We need to have more conversations about some of the simple stuff because we must look awfully weird. And I'm okay to own that. I'm willing to yeah. own that. So we're going to talk about some weird stuff. One small weird thing every episode. Today it is the weird stuff we do with our hands before we pray. It's called the sign of the cross. So... It is a very special thing. It's a very unique thing. Um, but what's interesting is whilst it does kind of stand out as a very Catholic thing, there are non-Catholic denominations that practice the sign of the cross. For example, uh, a lot of Lutherans, in particular high Lutherans. Um, but but it, it doesn't even stop there. But, but when you see that, you think, that's Catholic. What? <laughs> Just... The music? No, I've just never heard them referred to as high Lutherans. Oh, that's like a legitimate version of Lutheranism. 
So like, as opposed to there's the ELCA and then there's the Missouri Senate. Like if you go to one of their masses, it'd be easily confusable with one of ours. It's not to be confused with a high Lutheran. No, I'm saying there's, I, <laughs> man, I, just, I, I think I, I just I, died and yeah, came back I, for a second. I, I, <laughs> so, so it is a, a markedly Catholic thing. You see that and it's like, oh, that's one of those Catholic weirdos. Okay. So, so why do we do that? Father, why did we invent the sign of the cross in the last few decades? Yes. Why did we invent that? Yeah, we didn't invent. Uh, no, we didn't invent it. Let me ask no. you a question, father. Are you a ghost in a shell? Like, are you just a spirit in a in a flesh costume? I no. You're a smart guy. Uh, no. Father Eric is not no. a spirit in a flesh costume. No, uh -uh. we are not dualistic beings or creatures. We are not spirits separate from our bodies. We are both spiritual and physical, and we have a whole show dedicated to that called Physically Spiritual, which you should check out. Hosted by our dear friend Andrew Reinhardt, he's a brilliant man. Father, when we pray. It's not just our spirits praying. Mm -mm. We, the core of who we are is praying. Absolutely. Hopefully. Why, if, yeah, hopefully. Otherwise, we're doing it wrong. Yeah. So why not engage every bit of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To get into all of that weird stuff, I uh, cut you off. What were you going to say? I don't, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the really interesting thing about the sign of the cross is it isn't, an, uh, it isn't even remotely a new thing. And in fact, it, it wasn't even like in the last thousand years that it started being a thing. It's literally been a thing since the early, early church. Um, and I have a couple of quotes from uh, early church fathers that display for us that even, in fact, even the early church was being taught to do the sign of the cross by the apostles, like the, the OG apostles. What? What's wrong? No, nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what's interesting to me is um, I, I did a back when the Catholic Church transitioned away from the old translation of all the stuff and we started saying stuff a little bit weird um, and I think beautiful. But like even the creed changed just a little bit. And what, what year was that? Was that 2010, 2011, something like that? I think so, because I was, yeah, I think I was just at my, one of my, well, at, at a new assignment. So Okay, yeah. somewhere in that range, um, a lot of the language that we used in the Mass changed, including the Creed. And when I was teaching um, a lesson to a group at the parish that I worked at at the time, I was teaching about the Creed, and I was so struck when I was preparing for it by the notion that when we are reciting the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, we are, it is one of the most direct affronts we can make to the spiritual, uh, like to, to de demonic forces that are like out to get us. What do they want to do to us? They want to frighten us so that, so that it leads us to despair and to forget that God is God. And ultimately they want us to stop believing in God. And when we declare the creed that we believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when we make these declarations of faith, it is a direct affront to them. And it's saying, you haven't won me over. God has won me over. People died over the creed. Yes. And we get up there and we're like, well, you know, Absolutely. the auctioneer thing, you, yeah. know, blah, 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 you know, and people died for that. Yeah. It is that important in our faith. Yep. People died for it. And so like the sign of the cross has always been a physical way to make that declaration because in the creeds, we're, we're saying that we believe in the Trinitarian God and the sign of the cross is essentially that it's, it's a representation of the Trinitarian God, but then it's also, it's so many things. It's also a huge declaration of victory because the greatest victory we have as Christians is the cross. It's the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And 
that was a, a victory over sin and evil. And ultimately that's when the book was written. Like it was a done deal at that point. And so it's a declaration of our faith in the Trinitarian God. It's a declaration of victory and it's a way to engage the body in the act of prayer, because we are not only spiritual, but corporeal beings, corporeal, meaning we have physical matter. Um, and I'm just going to toss out a couple of quotes here. Super brief. Um, uh, one actually was not from the early church that I wanted to share. Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, who was Pope Benedict is Pope Emeritus Benedict the 16th. Um, and, uh, let's see, what did he say here? He said, the sign of the cross is the summing up and re-acceptance of our baptism. So that's like a whole nother dynamic because we were baptized in the name of the Father. That's right. Of the Son mm. and of the Holy Spirit. I just saw you do that to someone recently. I did. I did. Um, and that was a command of Jesus. Yeah. And so we are uh, reminding ourselves and re reinvigorating um, like the, the whole idea that we are a new creation under God. So it's so many things. And it might seem to a non-Catholic Christian like why though? Like why, why is all that important? And honestly, I'm just like, why not? All of that stuff is freaking awesome. Like, I want that. I want to be reminded of my baptism and Christ's victory over me personally. I want to be reminded of our, uh, the victory on the cross for the universal church, the, the, the body of believers, uh, and for the world, ultimately. And I want to be reminded, I want to recall constantly my belief in the Trinitarian God and that the devil has not won me over to a lack of faith. Um, and why not do that every chance that we get? In fact, Mr. Tertullian, who was an early church father in the third century, he said at every forward step and movement, at every going in and out, when we put on our clothes and shoes, when we bathe, when we sit at the table, when we light the lamps on couch, on seat, in all the ordinary actions of daily life, we trace upon the forehead the sign. A number of the church fathers who attest to the use of the sign of the cross uh, early on, including St. John Chrysostom. And so, like, I just that's the other thing is there have been iterations and are iterations even today of the sign of the cross. So early in the church, like what we heard Tertullian talking about here, the sign of the cross was that you would bless your forehead this way, making the sign of the cross gesture. Um, over the 2000 years that it's been, we in the Roman rite of Catholicism in particular, we do the sign of the cross with our right arm, top to bottom, left to right. But there are other rites of Catholicism that do it differently, but the, the substance of what is happening and the reason for it remain. And I think it's freaking epic. One of the, um, I heard it, heard it described this way. You know, if you're a member of a gang, mm. you have a symbol that shows that you belong to that gang. And every gang has their own kind of symbol that shows that you belong. In a weird way, this is like our gang symbol, you know? Yes. And it shows that we belong to our Lord. We belong to our Trinitarian God. Mm -hmm. And so every time we do that, we are reminding ourselves of our baptism where Christ claimed us as his own, as a member of his, uh, of his body, uh, sharing everlasting life. And so we're, but, and we need to really, we need to understand that because in our society, it's all about, I'm my own person. I can do this. I it's my body, my mm -hmm. choice, my way, my, 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 me, mm -hmm. I, I, me, Lord, I'm exhausted for, from it because it never leads anywhere. Good. Mm -hmm. Every time we do that, the sign of the cross, we belong to him, Ugh. not me. Father, 
also an act of humility. Oh. I love that. And there's actually biblical uh, defense uh, for what you're saying about the, the gang symbol. Uh, in Book of Revelation, it actually says that the, the people of the Lord will have a gang sign. Uh, no, what it says in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter Which seven version of the Bible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chapter seven of the book of Revelation. This is the last thing I'll say on this. Um, then I saw another angel come up from the east, holding the seal of the living God. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were given power to damage the land and the sea. Do not damage the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Uh, so. Yeah, and then I heard the number of those who had been marked with the seal, and and it's just there's this this uh, idea that there there is a marking, and you know we literally wear that on Ash Wednesday. A lot of us wear a crucifix or a cross, um, but but this idea that I want like when I pray at a restaurant, I want to make the sign of the cross. I want mm-hmm. those around me to know like you know there is a, a person in this room that is a little Christ, which is what the word Christian means, which is kind of an interesting way to segue out of this topic and into the meat and potatoes, missionary discipleship. I asked you, Father, what are you passionate about right now? What are you excited about? Mm -hmm. And you said uh, a book by Curtis Martin, Missionary Discipleship. And so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, why that excites you, why it's important, why it's relevant. I actually think it ties directly into the homily that I heard from you this last Sunday. I thought that was a beautiful homily. Um, Before we go head on all the way into that, uh, I think that we would be remiss if we don't kind of address something that is happening right now. I think our, in particular, our American church, even more so our Toledo Diocese Church, uh, and then even more so the church in uh, uh, Finley, Ohio, um, and then you in a direct way because you were friends with them. We're, we're, we're all going through something right now that's really sure. challenging and confusing, um, and it's uh, if you want to just kind of touch a little bit on, on what's going on. Sure. Yeah. One of our diocesan priests, uh, Father Mike Zacharias, was recently arrested um, on all sorts of awful charges. And, um, you know, and it just kind of it's a resurgence of this this evil of um, sexual abuse and uh, different things, especially by the, the members of clergy, which it's awful because people look to us even this day. Even after all the scandalous stuff has been revealed, they still continue, and I'm amazed at this, look to us with great trust and 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 want our guidance and want us to be a part of their life. And so to have this happen again mm-hmm. um, locally um, by a priest who, again, was, was well-known and loved, um, and yes, innocent until proven guilty, but man... It's tough to think about that, and it's tough to think about priests wounding other people when we're supposed to be um, an ultra Christus. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be uh, acting in persona Christi, mm-hmm. and sometimes some of these priests have given well anything but a Christ-like um, image to people, and it's awful. And I, I, I you know, we found this out, um, and, and I mean, it's like a. I mean, I've wanted to throw up all day, to be very honest with you. Yeah. Um, well, and he was a personal really, friend of yours. Yes, absolutely. And again, had no idea of, you know, these alleged demons and things. But then I think about all the people that were that are impacted by this. I think about victims of sexual abuse. I've, I've been um, blessed, and I'll say blessed because I, I do believe that, um, to talk to a number of victims of, of, of clergy sexual abuse and to, to just get a sense of their story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and again, so I think about how many people this impacts. I think about um, his uh, newly ordained associate pastor. I think about the people at his parish. I think about his mom. I think about you know. I think about again the victims. I think I think about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I. And it's so, it just, it really messes with your mind and your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also a reality that evil is present and the Lord continues to, uh, we need to to rally around our Lord and his graces because the devil is prowling about looking uh, for his prey like a roaring lion. And, 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 and unfortunately there's been clergy who have fallen to that. And so I think it's a, it's an opportunity to redouble our prayers. It's an opportunity for us to, uh, support one another. It's an opportunity for us to, um, really, fight for the good and and to know though that despite these things that even members of the hierarchy and the clergy have done our church still is needed mm-hmm. in order to bring people closer to Christ and it doesn't and it should never just rest on father it can't i, I mean it we're human mm-hmm. and so we're not god and mm-hmm. none of the members of the you know the the hierarchy are god and so that wasn't even what was intended. I mean, I mean, in scripture, and we'll, we'll get to this as we get into the missionary disciple. In fact, uh, babe, could you grab the Bible for me? Yes. Um, uh, we have very directly from the mouth of God what uh, I like how Curtis Martin puts it. Thank you, my love. Um, Curtis Martin says that likely the most authoritative statement Jesus ever made which is ironic, as Curtis Martin says, because Jesus is the ultimate authority. God is the ultimate authority. And for there to be a statement that he makes that is more authoritative than another one is a little bit of an oxymoron. Um, but I need to get out of... Why is the Old Testament so big? Come on. <laughs> New Testament. <laughs> Let's go. Um, for, for Jesus to make a statement that in some way he intends to stand out more than other statements tells you something. It tells you open your ears up and listen and obey. Um, and so, uh, let's see here. So in some, in some translations, not in mine, Jesus starts this, this uh, phrase by telling, uh, the crowd all authority. Well, in some translations, he says, verily, verily, like seriously, seriously, or as Curtis Martin, you know, paraphrased, I swear to God, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Now, this is, um, this is a very challenging command. Uh, for one, again, like Jesus really wants you to pay attention to this. It's the last words he says before he vanishes, essentially permanently, other than, you know, coming in the Eucharist and the Mass, Mm -hmm. and then in some private revelation like St. Faustina. But in terms of, like, for the the Masses, he's gone Mm -hmm. until the end. Sure. The last words he says, tell people what I taught you, baptize them. Final words. Mic drop, poof, he ascends. Done. Now, to me, as I hear that, I'm like, well, crap. I need to, I need to 
put that all over my house. I need to print it out, put it in my car, put it on the home screen of my phone. Like Nick, make disciples. Nick, make disciples. Nick, teach people what G- what I have taught you, like what you have learned. Because my Christian life cannot be a Catholic jacuzzi. Like I cannot just like hang out with people that I'm comfortable with, hang out with people that are like-minded and relish in our rightness. Like, oh, it doesn't it feel good to be right? No, that's not what the call is. And what you said just now really struck me. Um, It's such such an important point. Like we cannot rely on priests to evangelize. The priests are there to administer the sacraments and minister to the evangelizers. But the problem... And this is why one of the reasons why the clergy sexual abuse scandal is so devastating. People have looked to the priest solely to Mm -hmm. do this. And so when the priest is engaged in sinful, evil, you know, things like that, it destroys people because that was the one that they were putting their faith in. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no. No, 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 mm-hmm. You're put, you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ, who is giving this strong command, not just to priests, right, but to every person who has been baptized in his name. Yeah. And that this is where I think, again, I've just been, I've become very, very passionate about this. Um, because if you look and, and people will joke about this, but there was the, uh, the, the, the joke about how somebody died in the, in the church congregation and they had to call the EMS uh, to get there. And the EMS went through six different people that they thought were dead before they got to the dead guy. <laughs> because there were so many people who looked dead, mm-hmm. um, dead in their faith, dead in their, you know, excitement to be at church again. It's like, oh, I gotta go to church again. You know, oh, my good and heavenly Lord, I gotta, you know, I gotta get to Bob Evans instead. You know, I, so again, I think this is, it's so critical for us to recognize that, that we're, we're part of this. Yes. Every, and by we, I mean, all of us are part of this, um, priests for sure, but also, all of the laity and if we're not engaging in it well is it any wonder that our churches aren't growing is it any wonder that we're closing churches is it any wonder that we don't have more vocations to the priesthood is it any wonder that no it shouldn't be any wonder because again we're not necessarily doing everything anything and we're allowing well laziness fear all sorts of different things to kind of creep in and some people just don't know how to do missionary discipleship mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons i've been you know very very passionate about this because i think we need to teach people how to do that yes and, how do we make missionary disciples what is a missionary disciple it's a churchy yes that's churchy lingo so yeah. like we need to fix that oh, right here and now it. darn it um, it. and before we do that there's one other thing i wanted to say uh, in response to, like you, you said something again like that where priests are not intended to be doing these things um, or, or like not solely priests, priests have a very acute focus. Like what is a priest? It's, it's someone that offers sacrifice. Why, why do we have quote priests in so many different world religions? It's because almost by definition, it just, all it means is that it's someone that offers sacrifice like to the gods or whatever. It doesn't mean the ultimate preacher. It doesn't mean, um, it doesn't even mean you're someone that runs a faith community. It literally means to offer sacrifice to God or to God's, uh, uh, you know, across different religions. And so uh, a fundamental tenant for philosophy and theology that I have really grown to appreciate is to understand something. Um, it's important to understand what something is not also. And 
for example, if I uh, tried to stand on this table, it's not meant for Nick, right? And unless I find like the perfect balance or whatever, if I stand almost anywhere on this table, it's going to tilt over and fall because it wasn't designed to hold me. Also, I've put on the typical COVID-30. So, you know, like there's that too. I, I weigh a little bit more. That's what that means. Um, I wasn't going to mention anything. Well, thank you uh, for that discretion. Um, You're just built differently. <laughs> that's what one of my teams said to me the other day. Oh, he's, that's so he's tender. A, uh, he's, a, he's a bigger guy. He goes, you know, Father, the way I look at it, I'm just built differently. And I said... I really like that way Fantastic. of looking at it, and I'm built differently too, darn it. But my point is, like, when we use something in a way that it isn't intended, it doesn't go well, sure. um, generally. And and so when a priest was never meant to be the evangelizer for a community or in place of a community, um, you're going to have problems. And priests are going to feel an undue burden upon themselves that will really, you know, I, I'm not going to make you answer this question directly, but I just, I think that most priests, if asked, like, do you feel unfair weight on your shoulders? Now, obviously Christ felt that and to be a priest is to be a, a, another Christ, but, um, but what I'm, what I mean is like, like the mass is another perfect example. The mass was never meant to be an evangelizing mechanism. The mass is a very sacred and holy sacrifice in the early church. You weren't even allowed in the room if you were not a fully initiated Christian. Yet we're using it now to attract uninitiated people because we don't know any better or it's easiest or the path of least resistance or whatever. And so we're misusing the mass in that sense. And we're having problems. People are leaving in droves, right? We're misusing the mess. And so again, we need to be very conscious of what, who we are meant to be in this whole relationship of God and the church and all of humanity. And when we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we see that reflected in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, just this little paragraph here from the catechism paragraph number 871, if you want to read along, um, the Christian faithful are those who, inasmuch as they have been incorporated in Christ through baptism, have been constituted as the people of God. For this reason, since they have become sharers in Christ's priestly, prophetic, and royal office in their own manner, they are called to exercise the mission which God has entrusted to the church to fulfill in the world in accord with the condition proper to each one. And that last part is my favorite that it doesn't look the same for everybody. We're, we're, we're all meant, every single one of us, to exercise the mission, but in accord with the condition proper to each one. I'm not you. I'm not a priest. I don't live in mommy. Um, you're not me. You're not a musician. You don't run a nonprofit. I mean, kind of, you do in the parish, but yeah. uh, it's different. It's a different nonprofit. Um, and like we have totally different responsibilities. And in fact, all the more so, my first mission is my family, my wife and my children, getting them to heaven. Better be. Yeah. You have a very different mission, mm-hmm. but we're all called to mission in our own dynamics. And I think that when we begin to compare and, and be envious of the way the mission kind of manifests in other people's lives, that also becomes a problem. Um, so... I want to uh, circle back here. So talk to us. How did you come across this Curtis Martin book and uh, and kind of this whole idea from him? What 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 initially grabbed you about it? Sure. So th- this book, uh, Making Missionary Disciples, uh, it's a short book. It's an easy read. 
but I became familiar with Curtis Martin's work through Focus, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the, the, the college uh, missionary uh, program that has really just taken on such great success mm-hmm. throughout the United States. And um, a- again, we have it at, um, at Corpus Christi. And uh, again, man, fantastic people who really are sent on mission to make missionary disciples. And so, but they, but Curtis Martin didn't just, um, well, I mean, you have to have a plan. You have to have a right. plan of action. And so he follows, well, kind of what Jesus did. This isn't this isn't like rocket science. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important for us to reflect on and to think about. And, you know, being involved, I've, I've been involved with youth ministry since my high school years when people ministered to me and, and were trying to make a disciple out of me. Mm. That was a hard, that's a hard <laughs> thing for them, you know, and it still is. But like... To think about the people who intentionally invested in me because they saw potential and they wanted to make a disciple out of me. They wanted me to be as close as I could ever be to Jesus Christ. And it's because those types of people invested in me in these different ways that I'm where I'm at today. But if they hadn't thought about like, okay, I need to, I need to help little Eric to have a relationship with God. I need to help little Eric to have good friends. I need to help little Eric to realize that he is then called to go out and help others do what I just did to him. If we didn't have those things, then we're never, we're not going to grow as a church and very few, fewer people are going to come to know our Lord. And that's a huge tragedy these days to have people who to think about people who don't know Jesus Christ. Yeah. So if we don't look at these three steps and the first two are, are kind of more inward. And then the third one is, uh, is, is really the evangelizing type of piece, but the first two have to, to, to kind of be in there before we even get to that. And that's a problem. Um, because I think some people want to just jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just, I've found this to be very true. And so anyone who, um, is, is, um, serious about wanting our church to be better, wanting our church to grow, wanting people to encounter Christ. These are the three steps that Curtis Martin has used in his, with his focus missionaries and they completely make sense. So break those down rocket science. So the first one is divine intimacy. Yep. Okay. So divine intimacy is, well, exactly what it sounds like. I can't ever worry about helping you, mm-hmm. Nick De La Torre, to be a better man and disciple and husband and father if I myself don't have an intimate relationship with our Lord. In fact, it could actually be more devastating. Mm-hmm. You know, if I tried to do that and I didn't and I didn't have that divine intimacy with our Lord. And so how are we doing, you know, with our prayer life and how are we doing with, um, you know, being intimate with our Lord? And that sounds weird because, again, we're such in a sexualized culture. But yeah, but do we actually take that time? Mm-hmm. You know, do we actually believe that Jesus Christ works through us to bring the prophetic gifts of you know, of, of healing, of words of wisdom, of discernment of spirits. Of, do, we, do we actually believe that Jesus Christ can work through us when we are connected so closely to him that mm-hmm. we can help other people to be healed? Yep. That we can actually help other people to know what Christ is wanting to say to them. But if we don't have that divine in- intimacy, we become frauds. And we've seen 
I've seen, I've observed a trend, which I think we're on, uh, we're, we're making a, a U-turn as a, as a big Holy Church ship. Uh, we're, we're making a slow U-turn on this, but I, we, there's been a trend due to very understandable reasons, financial constraint and whatever. There's been a trend of like hiring as cheaply as possible and get, grabbing people when we can pay them cheaply, which is a lot of times a little premature in this in this flow in this three-step process so like people I, I i've known people who were hired into full-time ministry when they were still working out the divine intimacy part and then they were expected to be on step three yes and that's a problem well and, and here's the thing that we find in parish staffs it's, it's, it, and it's awful parish staffs don't pray together yeah we're the ones in charge of, of officially ministering. We get paid to do that, yeah. and we're not praying. And that's why the whole Amazing Parish movement, uh, one of the reasons they started is to help parish staffs, because as Catholics, we don't pray well. We How many times, think about this, my dear friends who are listening, and this isn't an, an indictment on anyone but, but myself, how many times has somebody said, boy, Nick, would you pray for so-and-so? Would you pray for me? And you go, oh, yeah, 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 sure, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. And then we turn around and we walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we say, oh, I'll do that later. Uh-huh. And we forget. Yep. And we don't. I, can you imagine the tragedy of not praying with somebody right there? I don't care if it's in the middle of Walmart. I've done that. Home Depot. And I, I had it happen at Dale's Bar and Grill the other day on the patio. Yeah. Like, and, and, and part of me was like, okay, this is a little awkward. I'm, I'm like, there's a bunch of people staring and I don't know. And I'm like, get over it, chilled. Yeah. You're a priest. Now get over it. Yeah. But how many people do we fail to bring the loving presence of Jesus Christ to them because we're fearful? Maybe mm -hmm. our faith isn't good. Maybe we don't really believe that Christ can actually do something through our prayer. Maybe. Imagine how ineffective Jesus would have been if he handled it the way that we do. Oh, <laughs> my <know>? God. <laughs> and so that whole sense, I mean, yes, it's personal prayer time. It's time with the sacraments. It's, um, you know, making sure that we're going to confession regularly. And it's all that. But it's also we, we've, we, we experience that divine intimacy as well by engaging in those spiritual moments with people and allowing Christ to be in the midst of them yeah. and to not be fearful that I'm going to somehow screw this up. Well, I can't screw it up. I mean, I, I mean, if, if something doesn't happen through my prayer, I mean, that's, that's God, God's God's in charge. Mm -hmm. I'm just the, I'm just the conduit. That's it. That's it. I'm just, because again, you he, did has, your part. he has no body on earth, but ours right, right now, you know? Um, I mean, and so humanly in that way, <laughs> so it's up to, so I, I give my best shot and I do it with sincerity and love and care and concern. And if Christ chooses not to heal that person right now, that's his prerogative. Because mm -hmm. yeah. he's God and I'm not. Mm -hmm. So again, that divine intimacy piece though, but it is so detrimental. I think you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We hire people to go and, and minister to others when they're not, when they don't have a relationship with mm -hmm. Christ. So the first step is, is fundamentally um, to break down the idea of divine intimacy. You need to you need to allow Christ 
the Trinitarian God to, to really penetrate your heart and to work in you. Now, he never stops working in you. That's that's the kind of awkward thing about trying to articulate this is like it's a journey that is ongoing, you know, sanctification and un- union with Christ. It never ends. But you do need to establish a foundation that is unshakable. You need to build a house on and solid rock. Are we open to it? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Christ never ceases to work, but he's not going to force himself mm-hmm. on us. I mean, that's why we have hell. Yeah. I mean, Christ isn't going to force somebody to spend eternity with him who doesn't want to do that. We have free will. Yeah. So there has to be hell because somebody has de- definitively excluded themselves from a relationship with God. There's got to be a place for that person. And so again, that sense that, yeah, we have, I mean, how, and, and Jesus speaks, I, I love this reading from a couple weeks ago, talking about Elijah in the first reading, looking for, for God in the huge rushing wind, looking for him oh. in the earthquake, looking for him uh, in the fire. And where was he? In the tiny whispering sound. Mm. Yeah. But how are we supposed to have that divine intimacy if we don't shut up? Mm-hmm. If we don't take the time to listen to those tiny whispering sounds where the Lord's coming into our heart and our soul. Contemplative prayer ultimately is what we're pointing to. We're here. not good at that. Yeah. Now we can, we can rattle off in our father with the best of them. Yeah. And that, not saying that the our father's a bad prayer, mm-hmm. but we also have to shut our mouths. And I am, I am the first one that is getting the fingers pointing back at, at him on this because I talk a lot and I've really been trying hard these days to just shut my mouth in the presence of God and just be with him. Yeah. Because there's, there's there, that intimacy can't happen Yeah, when it's just the, okay, I'm done. You know, and then I go on my, my separate way. And if you're having a hard time entering into contemplative prayer, check out hallow. That's a good, <laughs> one of the two that, reasons that we have uh, this whole show and the whole awaken. Seriously, though, hallow.app slash awaken. Hallow has been for me, and this is the reason I use it daily. It's the reason it's on my home screen. It's been so great. The audio guided reflections in Lexio Divina, it allows you to just be there in the presence of God, which is the irony of ironies, right? That we're using a, a device, a screen, and it somehow is letting you shut off the world, which I think is a masterful work they've done with this app. Mm-hmm. So make sure to check that Technology out. Technology doesn't have to be from the devil. Right. Absolutely. It doesn't. You know, I agree. Proof, so I love that. That's beautiful. So then step two, faithfulness. Talk to us about faithfulness. Well, faithfulness, but also, I mean, it, uh, Curtis Martin talks about authentic friendship. Okay. Yeah. That's another way to say that. Yeah. So like... <sighs> Here's the issue. We can be great with God and then get in with the wrong friend group Mm -hmm. who doesn't support. We were created to be in unity and community with one another. That's why this COVID thing has been so detrimental. That's one of the big ways it's been detrimental is people feel isolated and alone. What does the devil, what's, what's, how's the devil work? He gets us isolated and alone, or he gets us with people that, are not good for us. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, t- 
tear us away from that divine intimacy with our Lord. And so, you know, he would, he talks about authentic friendship in the midst of the missionaries uh, there for focus, but it's so true for us too. I mean, you know, I, I think about our, uh, I think about the high school kids I've ministered to and they'll come to my office and father, I just, I'm into this. I, I, I know I shouldn't be. And I, so who are your friends? Well, they're the ones who are doing all the, you, you got to get new friends. <laughs> and most of them would be like, oh, oh, okay. And they, you know, and then they wouldn't. Right. The numbers, though, that did and and made that conscious decision found themselves completely changed. Hmm. We don't know, though, how to be authentic friends with one another um, in many ways because people don't like to get deep with mm -hmm. one another. They don't like to share their struggles with one another. And you need to be prudent about that. You don't, don't want to just go up to some random person and be like, so I'm struggling with this. And they're mm -hmm. like, whoa. I, yeah, TMI, bud. <laughs> but, but with like, you know, guys to support one another, women to support one another and vice versa. And guys don't know how to be friends with a woman. Yeah. Women don't know how to be friends with guys. We, we've lost this sense of authentic friendship um, where, again, because we've sexualized everything in our culture. Sexually, but also just general usury, right? Like with yes. the way that we've sexualized things and that makes it hard for a man and a woman, it can manifest specifically in the sexual sense, but like usury in general. Like it's hard for, even for men to trust each other because of both being uh, criticized if they're too vulnerable or is this person just wanting to be friends with me to use me for this thing or that thing? And we really don't know how to trust one another because we really haven't proven to each other that we can um, and that stems all the way to the fall I mean that's that's just a literal reality from the book of Genesis sure. uh, where even Adam and Eve the the OG married couple they couldn't trust each other anymore so mm -hmm. they couldn't be naked together anymore I mean yeah that's tough absolutely so I think just that sense of you know authentic being authentically friends um, Meaning that sense of love that wants the best for that person in front of us. Mm -hmm. So again, you can't use someone for a, a nefarious thing if yep. you are genuinely concerned with them wanting to be better, with them wanting to be closer to Christ. Yes. Um, and so again, how do we do our friendships? Who do we hang around with? And um, and again, uh, especially those deep friendships that you know. Again, a lot of people just don't want to talk about stuff how many times have we sat down with a friend and said how's your faith life today scale one to ten how's, yep. how's that faith life you know how's your prayer you know and then being able to say man it sucks mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm glad you asked yeah. you know can we talk about that um and that's where some of these um groups of, of guys who get together or uh, women who get together and 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 really do that kind of um so oftentimes it happens in those same sex types of groups because mm -hmm. it's just they can it's a little easier to be more vulnerable and, and um, rightfully in a know, sense yeah um I, I know i have a group like that yeah and i know that you have a, a in particular you have a priest group along mm -hmm. those lines do you, is there something similar but not priest oriented that you have or yeah i mean i i've been blessed with some great some great friends, some great lay friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's some, there's some depth that happens in those, mm -hmm. those relationships that have stayed intact throughout the years of my priesthood. And I find for priests in particular, the laity are so helpful because they keep us humble and, um, in a very realistic kind yeah. of, you know, because again, 
we live a very different life. Yeah. And so it can be easy to kind of get on our own little, you know, yep. and it's so good to have lay friends who kind of snap us back into it and be like, yeah, yeah but okay. I, <laughs> I, I knew you when, uh, uh-huh. I know, you know, I, I know that you're not perfect. Uh, uh-huh. you know, I, it, th- those types of things, sure. it's, it's helpful for us. So authentic friendship, uh, is step two for Curtis Martin. And I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's critical. And, yeah. and that's only when those two things are there, cause you need that support system. It's <clears throat> only that then that leads to what he calls spiritual multiplication or again, we call it evangelization. Uh, <laughs> or uh, another way I've seen step three articulated is fruitfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because there's, you got to see something <clears throat> yeah. from it. So it does no good. I don't want to say it does no good. But it's not helpful for us in the grand scheme of things to have a great relationship with our Lord, a great relationship with our friends, and then just settle. Yep. So, you know, again, much like a married couple, yeah. you know, you're meant to, uh, your love is meant to help other people. You're meant to be fruitful with your married love. Mm. That's through kids. If you're blessed with kids, it's also through though, sharing your love with other people who look at you and go, I want what they have. Oh man. There's something that's powerful. When I see Nick and Alina together and I go, they got a good marriage and they know how to love. And I want I want a little piece of that. I want to, to love better. Well, that's super convicting. Know? So thank you. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, but you guys do, you have a good, you have a very good marriage from what, you know, we can see on the outside. God only knows what happens. Yeah, here, as far but, as you know, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a good disguise. If it's not, <laughs> we work hard on that. Yet. Yeah. Um, and so again, spiritual multiplication, you know, what's the fruit of this? Um, these relation, this relationship with God, with, mm-hmm. with our friends, with our, um, well, it's that we then go out and realize how we're equipped for mission and ministry, and we're supposed to be going out and, you know, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, granted, obviously, we have the priests do that um, typically, or deacons, uh, yeah. or deacons yeah. but again, a lay person can do that. But again, that there's a broader meaning there, and it's right. bringing people into the fold. And Christ did that in particular with 12 people. What strikes me about that is is this idea of we're drawn to beauty and we're drawn to goodness. And, uh, you know, even in, in the book of Genesis, why were Adam and Eve drawn to the tree that had the fruit that was forbidden? Because it looked appealing. It looked like it was good for eating. It says that. And... We, we just have this natural draw towards goodness and beauty and, and, and anything that seems uh, like we want a part of that. We want to be a part of something. We want to have whatever that thing is that we're seeing. And Jesus, I, I love watching The Chosen because like it really, even though they take a lot of artistic liberty, I think it's, it's done in a pretty responsible way. And it really illustrates beautifully like what it might have been like to, to be one of these 12 guys. And they are just all magnetized to this man um, in a very organic and real way because he was a, a kind and loving and powerful man. Like, and I don't just mean powerful in like the supernatural sense. I mean powerful in his presence and in his command for for truth and and what was right and wrong. And I think that when we can live our lives in a way that we have um, really cultivated divine intimacy, that we're 
living out faithfulness or what did you just call it? Friendship, authentic, authentic, authentic friendship. friendship. And we're living that out and we're really living for that. Like first and foremost, it's, it's really fundamentally it's humility. It's the acknowledgement that like, I don't have this stuff figured out mm-hmm. and, and it's co- a constant process for me when we can live that way. And we really begin to look like little Christ's inevitably people will be drawn in and want what you have. And, and that gets to, to me, uh, a really interesting dynamic that is kind of weird to talk about, but this idea of discipleship implies that you have disciples and it's weird because we don't talk like that, but historically, why not? Right. I mean, wasn't, I think it was, uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was a disciple of, was it St. Uh, I forget which one of the apostles, but like they, they literally used that lingo. And why are we not talking like that anymore? Because there's almost like this false humility, like, oh, I'm not good enough to have a disciple. Like, no, you're supposed to be good enough to have a disciple. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, (laughs) Paul had his followers, you know, Timothy and Titus and all that, you know, and, and, and again, they followed Paul, not because of Paul, they followed Paul because of who Paul represented Jesus Christ. And they wanted that, you know, they wanted what Paul had and then Paul learned it from, you so again, that sense that I only know, like, again, having done a lot of youth ministry in my priesthood, I'm only... I know that I'm only doing a decent job when I see my disciples Mm -hmm. grow up and start to disciple other people until that happens. Yeah. (sighs) And the thing is, it can't just be a nice idea. It can't just be like a nebulous. I actually recently, I recently really came into a a deepened appreciation for the place that this whole concept needed to have in my life. And I spent some time, reflecting on who the Lord was, has put in my life that I am meant to disciple. And I literally put together a photo montage. I'm not going to show it on the thing, but it's on the inner front cover of my Bible because every morning when I pray and I read scripture, I want to storm heaven for these people every day, super intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can, if we can uh, live with that intentionality and disciple yeah. and minister with that intentionality, whew. that's and I keep a whole list of the people that I'm discipling in my breviary. That's and, awesome. You know, so again, I do the same thing. But that's beautiful. It gives us some intentionality, intentionality with our lives when we know that there's a purpose for all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yes, it's heaven, but on this earth we have the responsibility to love other people to get them closer to Christ and to help them to know him and then to help somebody else know him. And when you think about how, how do we make the church grow? How do we make the good news of Christ be more effective and efficient mm-hmm. and evangelical as the Bishop would say, Yeah, you have people who are intentionally discipling one another and they keep on going and the, the group just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and that's church, and that's church at its best. I love it's it. Powerful. That's beautiful, Father. Father Eric Shield. Thank you for being Great here. Great to be with you, Nick. I don't know what you're doing over there at St. Joe's, Mommy, Ohio, but you're doing something right. Because again, best. So I, when I said at the beginning of the show that he's the pastor at, at the best place of worship in all of Toledo, it wasn't just like being facetious. They actually won that award, so that's a pretty, pretty awesome thing. Yeah, I was excited. You're kind of but a that, rock star, but that means that we have a lot more work to do. Yeah, Too much has been given, much is expected. So, amen. Watch out, amen. Uh, before we close today, I just want to, two things. One, I want you to know. 
Jesus loves you and he wants divine intimacy with you and he wants faithfulness from you and he wants to see fruitfulness in you. You are meant to be a missionary disciple because Amen. we all want to get to heaven together. Amen to that. It'll be a party. It will be a party. And I may or may not wear a shirt at that party. We will see. Um, <laughs> today's show and oh, all shows Lord. on Awaken Catholic uh, have are made possible by the Awaken Nation. If you want to contribute and help make all of this great work possible, um, and feed my children. Uh, AwakenCatholic.org slash donate is where you can do that. And it's also brought to you by the Hallow app. You can visit hallow.app slash awaken or just go to the Awaken Catholic website and find the link there uh, for a free month trial of their premium uh, subscription. Thank you all for being with us today and God bless. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hallow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollo is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollo every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.